the second chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. Hallelujah. Look around you at all the people that are here this morning and just say, thank you, Jesus. Could you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And it's, it's, it's packed in the house of God this morning. It's a beautiful thing. It's also packed in the parking lot. Amen. So we want to remind you of the generosity of our good friends next door who have opened up their parking lot to us. And if you are able to park there now and again, we would certainly appreciate it, encourage you to do it. Uh, if you can't find a place here, there's one there. And, of course, parking there will open one up for a guest here. God is good to be so exalted in this house. From the book of Ephesians in the second chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. How many remember that? Strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off. You remember when you were far, far out and far off? But are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity thereof. And came and preached peace. There it is again. To you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building. Fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. I would like to concentrate our attention this morning on the usage of that powerful word, peace, three different times in this passage, because he is the Prince of Peace. And I would like to preach to you for a little bit this morning on that subject, the Prince of peace. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for you are great, greatly to be praised. There is none above you, none beside you. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you are the most high God. We thank you that you are the healer and the resurrector of the dead. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of life. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that you anoint us with the oil of gladness. We praise you and we magnify your name. We ask for a holy anointing in this house. 
upon your messenger as I preach your word, upon your congregation as we hear your word. Help us to obey it. Help us to apply your word and to live according to your precepts in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. And amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord, if you will. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. How many know what it feels like to be able to go for a little peace and quiet every now and then? Amen. You better hurry. School will be back in session soon. Got a little more time left. Better get it in. It looks different for everybody. Everybody thinks of that differently. For some people, it is holding a book. For some people, it is, it is relaxing near a crackle of fire on wood. For some people, it's sitting near water and sand and sunshine. I just heard, I just felt a witness in the Holy Ghost. I just, I don't know what that, wow, that was a, that was a confirmation. And, uh, and this is a, this is, this is normal for us because we were, we were really made to be in the presence of the Lord at peace at rest we were not made to be so so torn as we have found ourselves to be in life so often this is why when we seek a little respite if you please it's really us trying to trying to go back to the garden this is why just stopping and smelling the roses so to speak is something that is advised because you can get so caught up in the hustle, the bustle and the stress and the hectic pace of living that you forget to enjoy the little things. You forget to enjoy the small and slight subtleties that God has placed into the world. And so it is important every now and then to just take a little while, even if it's a staycation. But to stay in a position of, of tranquility. Now, we would call that, as I said, peace and quiet. We would refer to that as, as a place where we would become centered. Anybody ever heard that word, centered? <clears throat> peace uh, is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. Uh, peace is much, much more powerful than a feeling. Uh, peace is not just a, a place of mind. Peace is much more powerful than a, a place of mind. As a matter of fact, peace in its purest form simply means wholeness, completeness, wholeness. The reason that it means wholeness is because without it, we are, we are broken. We are not whole. And so this is... This is something that the world desperately seeks for. They seek for peace. They search for peace. They're looking for peace. They claim to know the recipe for peace. And what you're trying to do when you are sitting by the fire, drinking a little coffee, reading a book, 
sitting by the ocean, letting the sun beat down upon you and, and, and trying to relax and get lost in the sounds of, of nature. You're trying to become centered. There is a center of existence. The Bible says that we are comprised of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And what has happened that has caused us to not be at peace is that somehow the body, the soul, and the spirit have become disjointed from one another. And the way that that happened is, of course, through sin and through corruption of man's mind. Sin does corrupt our mind. Sin is a violation of what is right. And so when we commit sin and we transgress against the word of the Lord then it does something to this, this mind that he created and, and we no longer see things as they are. We are now broken. There has been a severance between body, soul, and spirit. There is, there is a disunity that has occurred within us. Last week we preached about unity. The reason that our world experiences so much disunity is because there is so much disunity in individuals. A person cannot be one with another person if they are not one within themselves. And so they are fractured, they are broken, and they are in this position of lacking wholeness. Wholeness. A classic example of how the body, the soul, and the spirit become disjointed is that, that you and I might be here today in 2016, but you are worried about what might happen in 2018. It is July 17, but you are worried about what's going to happen July 19th. That is an example of how disjointed the body and the spirit and the soul can become. Because the spirit and the soul are the invisible parts of you. And the invisible parts of you are tugging on the physical part of you that no matter how hard you try, you can't go from July 17 to July 19 merely by thinking about it. You're going to have to wait 48 hours. But the soul and the spirit don't care that you have to wait. Soul and the spirit are ready to go there now. Consider that. Get to it. You can't go back to 2010. But the soul and the spirit are back there causing you to regret what happened in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 15. Your body can't go back, but your soul and your spirit are, are moving around, worrying about things you can't take care of right now, regretting things that you can't go back and fix. This is an example of our brokenness. In our wholeness, our body, our soul, and our spirit are centered in Jesus Christ. That is who centralizes a human being. And he centers us through his great power. 
through his ability to heal, to give wisdom, to give understanding. And so I can stand here on July 17, 2016, and there could be something awaiting me on July 19 that I may need to prepare for, plan for, but I refuse to worry about it. There might have been something that I wish could have gone differently in 2008, 9, 10, or 11. And I can, I can consider maybe doing something different in the future, but I refuse to sit around and regret it. What is it that gives me that ability? It is the peace of God. It is the peace of God that brings wholeness to an individual and settles one's spirit and soul and unites the individual as a whole being again in God. I come today to preach peace to you in Jesus' name. The whole world is interested in the topic of peace. It has been the goal or the stated goal of every political leader that you and I can think of. Their own version of it, mind you. Even in America, you won't find a president who didn't talk about peace. You won't find a president who didn't talk about the value of peace. Who didn't talk about our need for peace. Who didn't speak to the fact that America plays a role in achieving world peace. It is the goal. It is the desire the problem is nobody knows how to achieve it because there's a difference between fake peace and real peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world giveth. I give you my peace. I want his peace. Real peace. Of course, we understand that there was a Generation, an era of time in America and around the world really, especially in Europe, where there was a peace movement. Where there were people who said that we will achieve peace right here on earth. They held up two fingers. They ended up believing a lie that peace could somehow be found in some kind of a chemical combination. That this could somehow cause them to leave the pain that exists in their present world. And that they could arrive at a euphoric state of mind. Some people have sought for peace by self-enlightenment. Hoping somehow to achieve some measure of zen. Trying to become transcendental through meditation. Thinking right thoughts, thinking, forcing the mind to think about good things and positive things and, and that somehow they will arrive at peace. And let me explain to you. People who do, in fact, try this measure, it will seem as it succeeds for a little while. The reason it seems like it succeeds is because they are looking to the power of self and self is a powerful force, spiritually speaking. The problem with self 
is that self is not powerful enough to defeat sin. Sin is a more powerful force, spiritually speaking. So you can focus, you can try to meditate, you can try to center, you can try to, to, to hone in, zone in, zone out. Whatever you're trying to accomplish to really exercise all the powers of self. But you will fall short of ever achieving peace. Because peace is something only God can give. Every political philosophy promises peace. Communism promises utopia. A place where there will be lasting peace. And humans get their hands on it. And start looking out for themselves. And they can never achieve utopia through communism. Peace can only be achieved in Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that the feet of those who preach the gospel are beautiful feet. Beautiful are the feet of them that preach good tidings and who bring the gospel of peace. When Paul was teaching the church at Ephesus about the armor of the Spirit, he said to take unto you the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. That you are to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith, having your loins girt about with truth, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. One of my favorite Christmas carols, O Holy Night, one of my favorite lines is, His gospel is peace. And I want you to know today that His gospel is peace. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of peace. I do not preach to you some vain gospel. I'm not up here wasting words this morning. As I preach the word of the Lord, I am preaching to you that very entity that can bring life to dead things. I'm preaching to you the very thing that can bring liberty to things that are in bondage. I'm preaching to you the thing that can heal sickness from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of wholeness. It's a gospel of completeness. Oh, hallelujah. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus would lay hands or, or speak the word over someone as they were seeking healing. And he would say, take up thy bed and walk. And then he would say, son of man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because Jesus didn't just come to heal physical sickness. And he didn't just come to heal spiritual disease. Jesus came to unite body, soul, and spirit of the human being. He came to break every chain. He came to bring life. Hallelujah. He came to preach liberty to them that are bruised. He came to set liberty them that are in bondage. Jesus Christ came to heal your body. He came to heal your spirit. He came to wash your sins away and give you peace. James said, is any sick among you? 
Let him pray. Let him call for the elders of the church and have them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and let them pray over him. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Hallelujah. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. I don't know what you're facing today, but I want you to know Jesus Christ has come to bring peace to your broken circumstances. He came to put back what sin has fractured. He came to put back into place all of the things. Hallelujah. That you might have broken and that you might have allowed to rob you of your peace. Glory to God. I want you to know Jesus is the only, only, only one who can bring peace. He's the only one who can bring peace. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. I saw them, I saw a video of them, of, of some college students being interviewed and asked what they thought about the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Some will seek another way, climb up some other way, but the same as a thief and a robber. And they said, I don't think Jesus would ever say something like that. But Jesus did say something like that. And they view it as though Jesus is being hard-headed. Who would be so narrow-minded as to say there's only one way to get to heaven? Who would be so narrow-minded to say that it's a narrow way? It's not hateful to tell somebody that Jesus is the only way to salvation. It is not hateful. It is truth. It is truth. It is truth. And in a generation who has lost the understanding of truth and has not the value in truth that they may need, they don't understand that you don't mince words when it comes to truth. What kind of a person would I be if I told someone all roads lead to heaven when all roads do not lead to heaven? It'd be the same as me saying all roads lead to Toledo. I'm going to Toledo, Pastor Urshan. What's the best way to get there? Well, you take 75 North. You stay on that. Don't get off that interstate. Stay on that interstate. Don't deviate. Don't go down some country road. Don't go down some back road. Don't try to devise your own way. You go straight up that pathway. Don't stop till you get to Toledo. Don't let anybody tell you there's another way. Come on, somebody. There's going to be every restaurant on the way there telling you, you want to stop in and eat here. There's going to be every store on the way saying, you want to stop in and shop here. There's going to be every rest area that says, come on over and stop a little while. But you have to understand there's only one way to get there. But pastor, I really like 75 South. Just got a preference for it. Can I still get to Toledo if I get on 75 South? Well, uh, 
You know, I don't want to be so narrow-minded as to suggest that you couldn't get on I-75 South and end up in Toledo, Ohio. So you go ahead. You know, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want you to think I'm one of these narrow-minded, old-fashioned preachers. So you get on the path that you like the best. And you travel that as far as it'll take you. And good luck. No, I'm sorry. I'll quit preaching before I start preaching like that. There's one, one, one. One way to God. Hallelujah. 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 We already know the answer to the question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Come on, somebody. It's time to get up on the highway to help. I said there's a highway to heaven and none can go up there but the pure in heart. If you're not walking, then start while I'm talking. Walking up the king's highway. Angels beside me. Always there to guide me. Walking up the king's highway. Hallelujah. There's only one peace in this world. And you can't reject the prince of peace and expect to have peace. You can't come in and say, no, I don't want you. I don't want your word. I don't want your spirit. I don't want your blood that you shed. But I, I'm going to go ahead and take this peace. You don't have authority over peace. You'll get down the road a little bit and there'll be conflict to arise and you won't know how to solve it. So you'll do like every other world leader has ever done. And you'll begin to strong arm through human manipulation. And before long, your effort at trying to create world peace has become your little empire. And you start looking over your shoulder because you don't trust anybody. And it becomes nothing but more turmoil and more conflict and more problems. Because peace is not a feeling. Peace is not some philosophy. Peace is not some vague, abstract. Peace is a place. And peace has a prince. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that, that Daniel was in, the, was in the land of Persia. The children of Israel had taken back, captive by the Babylonians and then by the Persians. He was praying, 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 praying for like 20 days. Seemed to get nowhere with his prayers. Finally, the angel of the Lord shows up and says to him, listen, the moment you started praying, the Lord dispatched me to come to you. That should encourage somebody, don't stop praying. He said, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia. 
There are principalities and powers and princes that try to prevent us from praying. Keep on praying. Pray till you pray through. Pray till you pray through. Pray till you pray through. I said, pray till you pray through. And the angel came to him and said, the Lord dispatched me the moment you started praying, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia, and I had to call on Michael, the archangel, the chief prince of Israel, to come in and help me with the prince of Persia. Now, I, as a child, had a unique uh, understanding of how that all went down. I didn't fully understand it. I thought Gabriel came down to answer, you know, respond to Daniel. The Lord dispatched him, and, and as he's headed down, here come the prince of Persia. Blindsides Gabriel. Gabriel and Prince of Persia start wrestling and tussling and fighting and punching and kicking and scrapping, knocking over the hanging gardens, <laughs> knocking over idols and you know coffee tables and and then finally the Prince of Persia Gabriel needed help and the Prince of Persia's got it down on the ground you know and he's he's about to deliver the final blow and Gabriel's like Michael. And I heard that story and I thought, Lord, if I ever need an angel, just go ahead and send Michael to start with. Just send Michael. I mean, Gabriel needs Michael. Let's just have Michael come and take care of this. But it wasn't a physical battle. It was a spiritual battle. It was a jurisdictional battle because Israel was in Persia on Persia's territory and the chief prince of Persia approaches Gabriel and says where do you think you're going Gabriel says I have a message from the Lord for Israel and the prince of Persia says I'm the prince over this territory let's go back to the garden of Eden and I'll show you a little transaction that occurred between Adam and the serpent and we have jurisdiction over the earth we have jurisdiction over this territory and Gabriel said you don't understand how spiritual things work so I'm going to have to bring in the chief prince of Israel to teach you legally how this works so the chief prince of Israel shows up and begins to speak to the prince of Persia and lets the prince of Persia know listen this is how it works I don't care if you're the prince of Persia and if Israel is in Persia whenever Israel calls upon the Lord their God it doesn't matter where they are he hears and answers their prayer now get out of the way that's how it works that's how it works there's a legal battle going on and your prayers are embroiled in the courts of this world don't stop praying you've got a prince of this world saying they can't be healed they can't be set free they can't be at peace but you've got to show them the contract you've got to show them This is why you have to open up the court records and pray the court records. 
you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved but through faith for by grace are you saved through faith for by grace are you saved through faith for by grace are you saved through faith The prince of the power of the air steps in, challenges you legally. You want to be healed? You want peace in your home? You want harmony in your marriage? You want the blessing of God on your finances? You don't deserve that. You are fallen, crippled, broken, destroyed. You have no, listen, I can point to so many different times in your life where you snubbed God, where you turned on God, where you violated God's commands. You can get beaten down if you start listening to everything the devil has to say. You have to go back to the document that certifies your salvation and be at peace. There's a prince of peace who has power over the prince of the power of the air the city of Jerusalem anybody ever heard of that place it's the most peaceful place I've ever been to in my life you talk about peace and quiet I was in Jerusalem listening to gunshots and at peace in the Lord I, I, I said when I got there it was like it was like it was like leaving home Flying 12 hours overseas and landing at home. Like I was where I was always supposed to be. In the heavenly Jerusalem. The city of our God. Beautiful for situation. In Mount Zion. On the sides of the north. Woo, the beautiful, the great city of our King. Hallelujah. And as we were standing there looking at the different places where Jesus had trod, we heard gunshots. We stopped and looked at our guide like. And he stopped and said, fireworks, and kept on talking. He said, fireworks, of course. Of course it is. Let me tell you something, though, ladies and gentlemen. When you're in the promise of God, you can be at peace. All hell can be breaking out around you, but you can be at peace. You know what? Last week, we were dealing with tragedy in our world. And we were dealing with the difficult nature of the tragedy that our world is experiencing. We've got new tragedies this week. 
terrorist attacks in France. Pray for Brother and Sister Dixon and their family. They're going to France shortly, not too long from now. There's a mission field waiting for them. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be published, published, published like never before. We're looking at the terrorist attacks unfolding in France. And the next thing we know, there's a coup attempt in Turkey. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is coming apart at the seams. The world is being set on fire by the, by the precursor to the tribulation. It's happening all around us. And America is losing its moral compass. America is losing its value system. America doesn't know who God is anymore. We are in need of the Prince of Peace. We need the Lord to step down and take his rightful place as the ruler of righteousness and the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. He's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. All the world is trying to lay hands on Jerusalem. Lay claim to Jerusalem. All of the world is. They're fighting over Jerusalem. That's the holy city. And they want that city. But that city is protected by one reality. And that one reality is the statehood of Israel. Israel is what protects Jerusalem. If it weren't for Israel being a state, Jerusalem would be overrun right now. But Jerusalem is protected by the statehood of Israel. The legal statehood of Israel. That's why it's so important that America recognizes Israel as a state. A legitimate nation. And so many nations around the world will not do that. But America holds true to that and we better hold true to that. Blessing will I bless you. Multiplying will I multiply. I'll bless them that bless you and curse them who curse you. We better continue to bless Israel. Jerusalem represents the church. Jerusalem simply means the city of peace. Jerusalem, it is the city of peace. And it's protected by the legitimacy of Israel's state. The church is the city of peace. This is a place of peace. That's why when people walk in through these doors, they're going to find people who are whole in Jesus Christ. I don't mean you don't have your issues. I don't mean you don't have to keep praying and fasting and trusting God. But you are whole in Jesus Christ. You are clinging to the old rugged cross. Broken people from around this world can walk into this place and find whole people who love them completely. Who have complete love to give. Complete love to give. And Jerusalem represents the church. The church, as Jerusalem is protected by the legitimacy of Israel's statehood, the church is protected by the legitimacy of what Jesus did while he was on this earth. That is our legitimacy. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You need to understand that today. Your hope isn't in the ground that's under your feet. And your hope isn't in on the concrete you're going to walk out and the asphalt you're going to walk out on and the roads you're going to drive on and the government who issued you the license that you have to drive the car that you're driving or the auto manufacturer who manufactured the car that you're driving or the electric company who's providing electricity to your house or the heating company or the water company. Your hope is not built on the infrastructure designed by man. Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When all of the ground is sinking sand, 
I stand on Jesus Christ. On the solid rock I stand. So our world is breaking up around us. It's happening. You better be in Jesus Christ. Jesus was in the bottom of the boat one day. While he was in the bottom of the boat, the scripture says that a great storm had developed. And the disciples were, of course, rattled by this storm. It it, it was going to capsize the boat. They went and woke Jesus. My question was always, why in the world would you let Jesus go to sleep in the first place? I mean, seriously, you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Rapha, Rohi, Shema, Shalom, Sidkanu, Mekadesh. You've got Jehovah. You've got the, the great I am. And he's asleep on the boat. He had become old hat to them. They were so used, they were so used to being in his presence that they no longer savored it. And the storm developed. Well, now they want to have a little talk with Jesus. Anybody ever been there before? You church, you could take it and leave it. Presence of God, prayer, man, got other things to do right now. But you let a little trouble start. You let a little lightning flash. You let a little thunder roll. You let a little gust of wind kind of push the boat over a little bit. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yea, verily I say unto thee. Come on up here, Jesus. They get Jesus up out of his sleep real fast, and they want to talk to him, and they want to ask him how his day's been going and how things, how things happening, you know, at the, at the house. And, and Jesus looks at them and said, I'm sleeping. What do you want? And they said, there's a great storm, and you're down here sacked out. Don't you care whether we live or die? He said, where is your faith? He walks to the bow of the boat and makes a perplexing statement. He says, peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. He said the same thing twice. Well, if you look at what he was saying, it's very clear what he was saying. He had two different storms to address. One storm was on the water. Winds and waves, that was a big storm, and they were getting ready to get overthrown by the storm on the water. But there was another storm he had to address. The other storm was the storm raging in the emotions of the disciples, pulling their hair out, scared out of their mind, about to jump overboard, cowering in the corner. So he looked at that storm and said, peace. And I don't know how much time elapsed between when he spoke peace and when he spoke be still. Could have been a split second. Peace, be still. Or it could have been 15 minutes. Peace. But what I do know is that long before he steals the storm, he can give me peace. What I do know is lightning could be flashing, thunder could be rolling, waves and winds could be tossing, but I have peace, 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 peace. 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 There is peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. 
there's an anchor, there's a rock to build my faith upon. Jesus Christ is my vessel, so I fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. There'll be peace in the valley for me someday. There'll be peace in the valley for me. No more sadness, sorrow, or trouble there'll be. There will be peace in the valley for me. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rose a melody sweeter than song in celestial like strains it unceasingly falls or my soul like an infinite call peace peace wonder coming down from the father sweep over my spirit forever in fathomless billows of love peace peace Wonder coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. explain to you what gives you peace is the gospel of Jesus Christ it's a gospel of wholeness it's a gospel of completeness every epistle that the apostle Paul wrote in this Bible every epistle that he wrote regardless of which church he was writing or whether he was writing an individual like Timothy or Titus every epistle opened in his salutation, in his opening remarks, he would speak two things over those people. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Church at Ephesus, grace. Peace. Grace. Peace. The reason I have peace is because of his grace. You see, he, he washed my sins away. Peace. You see, he, he carried my burdens to the cross. Peace. You see, I didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. Peace. I, 
I don't know where to turn or what to do in my own life or world, but I, I know he's already fought the battle so I can hold my peace. Hallelujah. Grace, grace, the favor of God, the favor of God. Somebody lift your hands to heaven right now. I feel the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you something right now. I need to tell you this in the name of the Lord. God favors you. God favors you. How, 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 could, how could God favor me? I've done this, this, this. I can point to things that I know God is against. How could God favor me? I didn't say God favors what you have done. God favors you. He has come to reach you and to give you wholeness and to give you completeness and to deliver you from what you have done to bring brokenness into your life. Let that grace settle on you right now. Let that grace settle on you right now. And peace, 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 peace like a river is going to flow over your soul. Come on, let's experience it right now in the name of the Lord all across this building. Let's lift up our hands and voices unto the Lord. Coming down, down from, from the Father somebody I want somebody who's been worried about some things I need you to stand to your feet right now and say I'm not leaving this place without the peace of God to sweep over my soul come on I need some folks a spirit of worry has come against you and it has threatened your peace of mind I want you right now to lift up your hands and say oh God oh God you came to give me peace this morning you came to settle my spirit this morning you came to settle my spirit today Fathomless billows. Oh, yes, there is a peace. There is peace. Coming down. From the Father, from the Father. 